you don't have to want to invest in black women. You could just do it. Right. Everybody's like, oh, we want to invest in founder. We want to be a like venture capital was not ever made to be equitable. It's it's not it's discriminatory by nature because you have to pick who you think will be most successful. And everyone comes with their own set of biases about what they think will be successful. And so if I meet you and I'm presenting you something that has a primary audience of black women. You're like, oh, that's too niche. But the fact is that black women are the culture. Like black people started hip hop. We started Motown. Like we we are the epitome of culture. But people will say that when we serve us, we're too niche, which is crazy because so many brands take on a hip hop persona or a black culture persona to be successful. Let's get into some fun questions. So when you have a multi-million dollar business, you got multi-million dollar checks, right? So what's one of the biggest bags you ever blew on anything, good or bad? I mean, cumulatively, I would have to say it would be payroll. I've spent a few million dollars a year on payroll. But at one time, and it's not like weekly like that, that's a tough one. I have to think about that. Who have I spent? With like a vendor or just like in one sitting? In, in one sitting, you know, there Facebook, was, I've blown the biggest bag on. I probably spent tens of millions of dollars on Facebook ads. Um, but let me think. Is there something that I was like that where people would be like, what? Oh, my God, I can't believe you spent that much money on that thing. You know what I'm thinking about? What? So remember the crowdfund took us. It did take us a while to get the money. We had to wait for it. Like we didn't miss a payroll that time, but mm -hmm. the bills had piled up. Yeah. And I think we had four people, right? Uh, for about four hours, as soon as it, as soon as the wire cleared, oh, paying we bills. started paying bills, right? I ain't never spent a couple million dollars so fast in my life. If you haven't gotten money and you've been waiting on closing a round or closing a deal and you've been waiting on that check, by the time you get that check, that's the fastest one, two, three million dollars you've ever spent in your whole life. Like when we got that money after the ultra shoot, we probably blew $1.5 million in less than seven days at least. Like, cause it was, been, it been months, you know? So, and that's remember, happened a few times. I remember we were on the phone. I'm, I'm wiring money. I'm calling vendors. I'm getting. Oh, because they're hounding you and threatening you with all kinds of lawsuits as you're late on your bills. <laughs> that is, people don't talk about that. People, you, you never hear about the founders being, the most successful founders you see have, are being sued, have been sued, or will be sued. Uh, <laughs> that is. <laughs> there, there is no other, there's no other reality. Because somebody's seeing the money that they got and they want some of it, okay? Mm -hmm. but, the re but they really don't know. That person just got a lot of bills. Anyway. Right. So we spent a lot of money after the crowdfunding, but we also had an opportunity to get a big bag, right? So there are a million ways to make a million dollars. What is the one way you've gotten a big check that you're most proud of? You know, it's so funny. I think the check I've gotten that I'm most proud of, and honestly, it was the easiest to get. I mean, I'm proud of the crowdfund, but that was so painful. Um, I'm really proud of the money we got from a foundation where my friend Gina Page from AfricanAncestry.com had a mentor, and they were looking for a business in Chicago that was growing that could help improve a neighborhood and add jobs. And she was like, hey, I'm an online business, but I have a friend who has a manufacturing facility. I think she'd be great for this. And she recommended us. And the foundation was like, okay, if you add jobs to this community, you know, we'll give you this loan. And if you add so many jobs by this time, we'll make half of it a grant. And so they wrote me a $3 million check. 
um, to add jobs to this community. And all I had to produce was like a business plan and my financials for the last couple of years. It, and they wired the money within like 30 days. Right. And th- there has been no check that I've ever gotten that has, has come that easily. And so I'm just super grateful to them. And I love that foundation. I named them, but I don't want everybody blowing them up. So I'm trying to keep them, you know, protected. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Now, if you're just starting out in a business, right, we did some very, very creative things to get money into the business, right? The VCs weren't always checking for you. 100000 right? in credit card debt is a little creative, right? No? It's still paying that off. Ah, we right? used your good credit because mine was just okay. Yeah, I ain't got good credit no more. <laughs> <laughs> Use it all up, <laughs> right? And so if what's the most creative way you've gotten money into the business? The most creative way besides the foundation. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the crowdfund. I mean, everything has been creative. I, create, no I mean, traditional money. We have ever. had to claw, scrape, <laughs> and do the most everything. traditional money I got was the angel money we got—the 1.2 million from Jeff Weiner and the, the former CEO of LinkedIn and some of his other partners. That was like angel money. Um, the 100k in credit card debt. The 4.5 million equity crowdfunding, Arlen followed on with 200K, the 3.5 million institutional money, the $3 million from the foundation. So, like, I don't know. That's all creative to me. I don't Mm -hmm. know any founder that has that story of like venture money was the last money I got. You know what I'm saying? And so, after we had gotten millions and millions of dollars into the business. So, that's what I would say. I don't know. Everything we've done has been creative. Yeah. And when you're first starting out, there's some interesting vehicles right that you can do to get money into the business right i think uh what comes to mind is like a convertible note Mm -hmm. right i think most entrepreneurs don't know what a convertible note is like we didn't know until it was offered to us yeah Uh, but can you talk a little bit about some of the things that are like kind of slept on in the funding world that entrepreneurs should know about but they don't so before you ever raise a super large check for like millions of dollars most founders take a small check for a couple hundred thousand dollars in the form of a safe. A safe stands for a simple agreement for future equity. That means this person doesn't want to put a valuation on your company now because you're probably not making much money. And they want to give you a check for 100K, 50K, 200K, but they don't want you to devalue the company. So they'll say, this is a simple agreement. It's probably a two or three page contract. And it's just saying this $200,000 is going to, it's going to be, um, it doesn't have to have an agree of a value today, but once you're at a valuation of two million dollars or three million dollars, this will convert to equity. And I think that's the simplest agreement for people to get done, especially to get the business off the ground, and doesn't require a ton of legal fees. You can go to coolygo.com and download a safe agreement and then sign it, get your money, and be on your way and not have to necessarily hire a lawyer out the gate. Um and you may or may not have to even raise money after that. That could just be your first, like, little bit of money. You got a business partner, and then that's it. But I think that's what most people, most founders actually sleep on that agreement. All right. I got a phone one for you. Fuck, Mary kill. Angels, VCs, <laughs> crowdfunding. I don't like this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, say it again. Angels, VCs, crowdfunding. Yep. yep. Ooh, okay. Ooh. So kill VCs for sure. (laughs) sure. Out immediately. I would marry angel investors. Ooh. Um and 
Fuck crowdfunding. But that's, the F thing is like the good. That's like, a good. Yeah. yeah like, I like crowdfunding. I'm here for a good time, not a long yes. time. Right. And, and, and the Mary is like angels are the easiest. It's Forever. quick money. It's like they believe in you. They leave you alone. We go together. You don't got to deal with the SEC. You know what I'm saying? So like mm-hmm. angels is like the easiest money. Crowdfunding is hard money to get, but you still have control. So it's like marriage, you know, it's like, it's hard to keep maybe longevity of it, but like, it's a happy place to live. And then VCs, they're just, you know, it's a love hate relationship. They're the most difficult for everybody. You know, what's up you guys. For many of you who don't know, I'm Kim CEO and co-founder of Curl Mix, where we help you master your curls in 21 days. Curl Mix is what makes this podcast possible and it helps you get the best wash and go ever. So if you like my hair when you're watching the show, that is what got it here. We are now available in Ulta, you guys. Yes, it is our first retailer ever and it's doing amazing and I would love your support if you would go out to Ulta and try Curl Mix. All right, you guys, now back to the episode. Okay, now another game, Smash or Pass. You ready? This will be a little lightning round. You ready? Smash or Pass. I'm going to list off funding opportunities. You just tell me smash or pass. You ready? Mm -hmm. All right. And if something touches you, like, feel free to go deeper. Smash or pass. Let's go. Pitch competitions. Smash. Mm -hmm. Bank loans. Smash. SBA loans. Pass. Inventory financing. Smash. Revenue-based financing. Pass. Angels. Smash. Syndicates. That's so tough. I had an offer for a $6 million valuation, a million dollar investment from an, a syndicate. A syndicate is basically a conglomerate of many investors or many angels. And one is managed by one person or like one organization. And the thing is, syndicates don't come with a lot of information. They're just money. But you might still have the headache of a VC because it has to be managed. And so I don't really like syndicates as much to me you take a syndicate if you can't get any other funding um and so i would i actually would say pass on the syndicate Mm. all right vcs pass institutional money to me that's the same as vc so i would pass all right convertible notes if not if not a safe so a safe is a little different from a convertible note a convertible note is like it can be debt sometimes attached to those and so as you can become a bigger company, if you, if you, let's say you don't reach this valuation, at some point you have to pay that money back. So it's like if it doesn't become equity, you got to return it. And so typically a convertible note, and then they get a discount on future equity, which is mean that they're not paying the same price as future investors. And so they're getting more bang for their buck. And so most people have advised me not to take a convertible note. So I would say pass on that too. All right. And then at least safes. Safes of pass. I mean, smash. All right, cool, cool. So, take a deep breath. Take a drink. <laughs> okay. I want you to give me a rant. You got 30 seconds on the clock. Anything in the funding world right now that is pissing you off, I just want you to go off, let them have it. <laughs> um, Dang, I'm not angry no more. What? I, have, I, I actually have stopped pitching VCs. Um, mm. people have been saying you need to pitch VCs, you need to pitch, and I just feel like it's a huge waste of time, especially as a black founder because they just it, it is it's a dog and pony show, it's a shucking and jiving, and I refuse if like if you and I'm and I'm saying that from a place of not because like oh I know my worth, I am actually incredibly valuable as a founder from what I know, what we've been able to produce with what we've gotten, and 
I'm not doing a dog and pony show. Um, if you don't see what we've done, if you don't see that I'm one of the first black women to ever raise this amount of money from equity crowdfunding, if you don't see 20,000 customers in our Facebook group to be valuable, if you don't see the money that I've raised without the help of traditional, institutional, whatever, like, it, we were on Shark Tank. We've been on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. We have a 30,000 square foot manufacturing facility. Like, I, go off. I'm a digital marketer. I know how to play the saxophone. Like, I just, I just feel like, I don't have to prove my value to anybody else. And I'm so sick of this, like, I'm going to pitch 100 VCs for 100 no's before I get one. I, I don't need to do all of this. I'm going to just raise the money from crowdfunding. And so I think crowdfunding is the future. And I think that if you are a product-based business with a community, then I wouldn't even talk to a VC. I would just go straight to crowdfunding. Go off, queen. I see you. That was a good one. You're funny. You get that off your chest? You're feel lighter. funny. You're very funny. All right. So speaking of being one of the few black women who has done all the amazing things that you've done, I think the count is still less than 200, maybe. I like, no I'm idea. not sure where and it I'm is. I'm not proud of that days. number either. The 200 but black women who were only raised a million dollars. Like, yeah, that's exactly it's a, it is a very, very small number. But we've also seen a lot of these like BEI initiatives and venture funds saying that they want to invest in these types of businesses, but we're not really seeing it happen in the space. Where do you think the disconnect is between the VCs and the institutions that say they want to invest in black women, minority owned companies and why that money isn't being seen in the space? You don't have to want to invest in black women. You could just do it. Right. Everybody's like, oh, we want to invest the fund. We want to be a like venture capital was not ever made to be equitable. It's it's not it's discriminatory by nature because you have to pick who you think will be most successful. And everyone comes with their own set of biases about what they think will be successful. And so if I meet you and I'm presenting you something that has a primary audience of black women. You're like, oh, that's too niche. But the fact is that black women are the culture. Like, black people started hip-hop. We started Motown. Like, we, we are the epitome of culture. But people will say that when we serve us, we're too niche. Which is crazy because so many brands take on a hip-hop persona or a black culture persona to be successful. Um, and so, sorry, I'm getting away from your question. But your actual question was... I, I'm, I'm here for it. Keep going. <laughs> your actual question was like, what do I say to people who, who want, say they want to invest into people of color um, or black people, but um, basically like they're not doing it? Yeah. Um, Why the disconnect? I think that because of, because you come with your set of biases, you have to believe in whatever you're investing in. Honestly, that's all it is. Honestly, I think venture capital is professional betting. It's like and professional with air quotes, right? And it's this gambling is, with it's gambling. other people's money. It's gambling. It's no different <laughs> than like the derby. It's no different than like the casino, except maybe there's an element of character and I get to meet the person, right? It's like, imagine if the horse in the derby had a personality. You know but what I'm saying? The crazy thing is, even despite all that, nine times out of 10, these companies still do fail, right? It is still like exactly. extremely risky. Exactly. And so you have to, someone has to believe in you and your idea. And I think it's really hard to believe in something you have no basis in. You, so I actually have stopped pitching white VCs on Chromex. The ones who've given me money, the ones who I've gone the furthest with have been black. Because they've seen the Shea Moisture, they've seen the Carol's Daughter, they've seen the Main Choices, they've seen the Myels. They know there's money in this market. But if I talk to somebody else who, who doesn't know, couldn't name any of those brands, they would tell me I'm too niche and that we won't be successful. They, they're shocked that we got to $10 million online. 
shocked. So I don't even pitch YVCs anymore. All right. And so there's another disconnect. The difference between seed funding and Series A, Series B, follow-on funding. Mm -hmm. Why do you think there's such a big gap between the companies, minority-run companies that raise you know, a seed round, right? They do get some of that DEI money or they raise a round from angels and things like that, but then they get stuck at series A, series B. I think it's a, f- I hate to say this, I think it's a funnel problem from the the venture side. I think it's very hard for someone in, who's raising a venture fund to raise more than $100 million. I was at Upfront Summit Ventures, um, the event that they have is an invite only and they invite a bunch of VCs on one day and then they invite... Um, uh, founders the next day and they have hundreds of VCs here and plenty of people have raised over a hundred million dollars. Some people have funds that are in the billions, but there were only about 10 funds who were black that had raised over a hundred million dollars, 10 compared to the hundreds of other ethnicities, but primarily white VCs who raised more than a hundred million dollars. So if you only have 10, that's raising a hundred million, right? And you have thousands of black brands, right? Or companies, then like most of us are only going to see a million dollars from them. And if the white folks are not investing in us, you know, then like, and if we're just getting money from the other black VCs, we don't have follow on funding. So you'll see the article where it's a hundred black women who raised a million dollars because we're all getting that, that baby change that like the little bit to get started, but we're not getting the funding to, you'll never have a black woman who, who runs a WeWork where she's raised billions of dollars. Never. Come on. I don't believe that. And I hate, and that sounds so like Debbie Downer of me, but I am not naive either. Like name a black woman who's raised a billion dollars. Do you know any? I don't. Do you think it's possible? Now we're talking future, however far it is. Or maybe you can talk about what do you think has to happen for that to be a reality? The number one question I get is Kim, will you coach me? Will you mentor me? Will you advise me on raising funding? And it's really hard to do one-on-one things, but I am going to launch a community to help you guys fund your business. And the way you get access to that community is by clicking the link in the show notes, KimLewisCEO.com, and join the mailing list. You'll be first to know when I'm dropping a community so we can help you fund your business. All right, now back to the episode. I think we live in America, and I don't think that will happen. Mm. I don't think we'll have a black woman to raise a billion dollars. Um, and that sounds so sad, but that is, after my experience in funding... And how hard we work and how far we've come, I don't see it. I had to let that one sit. You got you got me. Sorry. <laughs> that sounds so sad. But it does. I mean, if I had to bet on it, you know, and I'm a gambling woman. My whole life has been a gamble. I don't, I, I wouldn't place that bet. Mm. And it's not because she's not incredible and it's not because she's not successful and smart and brilliant. All she these things. She deserves it. And it's not because she doesn't deserve it. It is because other people have to believe in her enough to give her that money. And I don't think... I don't think we live in that world. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's bring it, bring it down. We've been talking about some high level stuff. Let's bring it back down to some of the practical stuff. If you are, you know, for the broke entrepreneurs in the back, people (laughs) just starting out, right? What would you do if you didn't have any of your connections, none of your network, none of your audience, um, and you were just starting out? What would you do to get funding into your business today? I have read some books. If you don't have anything, the thing you can give yourself is knowledge. And people's books are their whole life's work into two, 300 pages. And you need to be able to talk the talk when you get in front of those people. 
And you can't do that if you're not well-resourced and well-equipped with the information that you need. So I would read Venture Deals by uh, Brad Fell. I would read Angel by Jason Calacanis. I would read About Damn Time um, by Arlen. I would read all those books. And then I would try to get in the rooms with those people and be impressive. Are there any specific opportunities you feel like are easier for new founders to get? Honestly, yeah, I think anybody can be a content creator. I think most people just don't do it because they're lazy. Mm. And people don't want to admit that, but it's a lot easier. You know, I've, I've never thought it was a lazy. Are you kidding me? I, I mean, think it's, it's a fear. It's both. Most people are afraid and lazy. I was afraid. Yeah, you were afraid. Are you? But you're posting now. Look at you. Mm. Mm. Still afraid, though. <laughs> we, we just, do it anyway. You know, <laughs> we do it anyway. Exactly, right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and that's one of the things that you've started doing, right? So you've invested in your personal brand. You've been posting regularly. What was the strategy behind that from a funding perspective? Has there been some noticeable difference in your ability to, you know, get money for the business or raise funds because of your personal brand? I think that what I have learned, one of the things I realized in the last year is that having an audience is power. Like Trump has a captive audience, and I hate to use this as an example, but a Barack Obama has a captive audience. If you have a captive audience, you have power. And I think that if you don't have one as a founder, you don't have any power. So if you ever get upseated as a CEO of your business, there's nothing you can do about it. If you ever, um, is it unseated or upseated? I may have said the wrong thing. Unseated? Unseated, whatever. Why if you not? get removed as a CEO of your business, you have no power. If you if someone does you wrong in a deal, you have no, you know, like you need a voice. And the way you do that is having an audience online. And the way you do that is by creating content. And so having an audience means I get better deals on you know, different rounds I might do if I'm doing crowdfunding. Having an audience means I get more opportunities coming my way for speaking or um, people who want to work with me, coaching, et cetera. I would not have any of that if I was not posting online. So I think that some of the easiest things you can do is read books, get in the right rooms, and create content. You can even make content about the books you're reading or the lessons that you learn. Those are some of my best posts where I'm literally just talking about what I read. Speaking of getting in the rooms, right, you talked earlier about the relationships that you build with investors, with VCs, right? How do you maintain those relationships going forward, right? So you get the check, now what? Uh, most people eventually do go to zero, right? But what do you do now that you got the check, you have this relationship with this VC, how do you navigate that? Um, that's a tricky one. I think there's a good balance between um, going to the events that your investors ask you to go to and speaking for free for them. And I know people are like, oh, but that's unpaid labor. I think it's it's just it's relationship management. It's like, they need me, I need them, we're in this together. They need me to help them get better deals, I need them to help me get more money. And so after you get the money from the investor, I think it's important to you know send, of course, monthly updates. I think most of them would love to see that um, and continue to send them. I think they would love to see you show up to the events they asked you to come to. And I would say... Speaking well about them publicly. They like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Have you ever felt tokenized? Of course. Mm, how do you navigate those feelings while still doing the work? It depends on how well you treat me. Like, if you're not nice Talk to, to you me, nice. I'm, I'm not going to be a token. <laughs> and I don't want to be a token. But, like, if you're not, if you're not kind, um, then I'm not going to sacrifice my extra time for you. But... If I think you're a good person and you're well-intended and you are respectful and all the things, then I'll show up for you for free. 
What are some great VC partnerships you've been a part of and like what makes them great? Arlen's one of my favorite investors. She's she's invested in almost every round that we've had. And I feel like that's a big deal being a black woman v, uh, VC. Like that's so huge as an investor. Um, and one of my more recent and favorite investors is Kendra Brackeen Ferguson and Lisa Stone. They have created so many opportunities for me in the last six months. Um, then like so many people I've, I've met. And so I'm just so grateful to have them in my corner. They've made introductions to retailers. They have put me on stages. They have helped me figure think through my issues. Like they've just been, Kendra and Lisa are amazing. So I'm very, very grateful for them. All right. And when it comes to your ability now to take the money that you have and then scale with it, do you feel like there's more funding on the horizon for you? What does that look like? Um, and if not, why not? So, and I guess we could say this to, to wrap this episode, but in the future, I would like to raise another round for crowdfunding. Um, I would love for this to be like the last money that I raised before like a private equity situation or like any kind of offer from a strategic. But I want to give my community one more chance to invest. Um, and the most you can raise is up to $5 million. And so if you're going to raise one, you might as well raise the five because it's the same amount of work. And I want to take the company as far as we can possibly go and get a return for my investors. That's my future. I hope. Excellent. I'm here for it. It's right. Thank you, Tim. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode on the More Rounds podcast. I'll see you on the next episode. And don't forget, check out Chromex at Ulta. All right, see you guys there. Bye.